Hello and welcome to the Trauma-Informed Podcast with your host, Jeff Friedman. On today's show, we have Michelle calling in from Colorado. And Michelle identifies as a survivor of a um, troubled teen industry program called uh, La Europa. For those of you to, who don't know what the, uh, the troubled teen industry is, is uh, it's a multi-million dollar industry where parents can actually hire people to have their, um, their children taken away to go to a, uh, um, a residential uh, behavioral health program or uh, often also a uh, wilderness program. Listen in to heal, hear Michelle's story. Arizona, I live in the same house my whole life until I was about 16, which is when I got sent to La Europa. I was a pretty normal kid growing up. I, uh, La Europa is a treatment center in Utah, where the land of treatment centers. For sure. Um, and I spent a little under a year there. So and for there, those that don't know about treatment centers, what, what, uh, you know, can you explain a little bit about what, what a treatment center is? A treatment center, well, there's a lot of things that it is and a lot of things that it isn't. The one I went to was a boarding school for girls. It was supposed to combine therapeutic treatment as well as education. One of the reasons there are so many of these treatment centers in Utah for girls and, and boys, I assume, is because the education requirements, what, what, what they have to offer to be required to be considered a school is, is really minimal compared to other states. Yeah, is it still in Utah? If you know that, I remember hearing about it, like in North Carolina, for for example, is the only place I visit the wilderness program. I, my understanding is there. The last couple of years, they made it so they have to have more of a physical location. Than in Utah, they still can do the more nomadic wilderness. You know. Now? Oh yeah, and actually, I was lucky that I didn't end up in wilderness. I had a lot of friends who went through wilderness programs who not only mentally and emotionally the toll that um, living in the wilderness takes on someone, but I know girls who got Giardia, who have all sorts of medical problems from infections they got, you know, just wandering out in the woods because therapy. I think the the biggest problem for me in Utah is that they, they don't really have any requirements for private schools for what constitutes ed- education. Go back a little bit. What, what 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 was going on in your life that led you know your 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 parents to send you to a treatment program? Um. So, I have borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. which they didn't diagnose at the time. They didn't diagnose it in people under eighteen because it used to really be a death sentence. Right. So I had a lot of the. I mean, I was very classically borderline. I had a lot of the erratic behaviors, the outbursts, just a real inability to control my emotions. But in comparison with 
many other kids who, who get sent to treatment facilities. I didn't have any drug use. I actually, I had smoked pot like once. And how old um, were you at the time? I was 15. I was almost 16. I had my 16th, my sweet 16 in treatment. <laughs> And um, how did, the other th- the question I have is, how did you get there? I know, you know that's one of the things about the industry that, that it's troublesome to me about the whole transport escort kind of uh, that involves. Um, I was, I was lucky in that I didn't get what, what they call gooning. I didn't get gooned, which is essentially when they hire kidnappers to come right. to your house in the middle of the night to to essentially kidnap you and take you to one of these facilities which i mean on its surface is just traumatizing i mean seems kind of obvious and i think my my parents have a background in medicine which helped them make at least physically healthier decisions even if they weren't really well versed in in therapy practices or or really understanding of how to emotionally protect me. But at least in a physical sense, it, it was pretty clear to them that that was not going to go well. <laughs> However, they, they liked well, but, me. But I think you don't even have to have a background. Med- medicine is just sort of common sense. It's not a great, great uh, practice. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem about these industries though, is they, they really, I, I'm as upset with these industries for me as I am for my parents mm-hmm. because they really target parents who are in a vulnerable sure position. of course you know yeah. as far as they know they've tried everything and th- these centers are supposed to be a solution so I, I didn't get gooned which was good uh, I did get lied to they told me we were going on a ski trip and to check out this really cool art school. Since I didn't like living at home, they'd take me to the this art school, which uh, La Europa is, is designated as an art school. How much art we did, I wouldn't say was more than any regular heart high school with an art class. And I would argue that a lot of the art that we did was to give us something to do, I think, at the rate that other high schools were. So I, I, we got there and I was told, oh, come check it out. It's, it's, you know, a really fun place to be. You know, they, they sort of coach the parents on how to do, do the softball landing if they're, if they're not gonna goon their kids. And and so I, I said, you know, I don't really think this is for me. And my, I actually wasn't told by my parents that I was staying. They had left town already. And well, actually, I was another question I have for you. Is, did your parents visit La Europa before sending you? Uh, I don't think so, no. And I find that somewhat not not unusual in this kind of experience, which which is a little bit odd to me that to send like I guess it's also that desperation that you're talking about that your parents are just going a whim to, without first checking it out. 
Well, and and it's expensive. Yeah, and no, I know. Families who are who are preparing this huge purchase. I mean, La Europa's tuition was ten thousand dollars a month. And what year was that then? That was in two thousand and nine. Okay. So still pretty dang expensive. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but if it, if it was even earlier, then it'd be even more months today. But it's not that long ago. So, yeah. Yeah. And so they, you know, my, my parents were well equipped to handle that expense, but most families are not. And they say, oh, well, you don't have to make that extra trip. They, there's a very, a sense that as soon as you've called them on the phone, you're already part of the, their family, so to speak. That, that is very manipulative and, and, and enticing. You know, we're going to take care of your kids the way you would, just in a different setting. What was the, um, what was the therapy like at La Europa? I have to give my credit, my therapist credit. She wasn't, uh, horrible. She was fairly young. I mean, I think she's about my, she was about my age now. I'm 28. She was about 28 when she was doing therapy with me. I think they had maybe one non-Mormon therapist. So faith, even if you weren't religious, there was a big faith-based aspect of it. She's since left La Europa and has moved on to better things, I hope. She, she was, she, her heart was in the right place. I think her, a lot of her training and her supervisors were you know the program itself was not science-based which now I have a therapist as an adult who you know we read the same journals and everything we do is based in science but there was there was a therapist who was there I had therapy with him once when I was struggling you know they sort of switch you up to to get a new perspective or to derail your therapy, which is more what it seemed like, but he actually was convicted a while back for sexually assaulting one of the girls at, oh, wow. at the treatment center. Yeah. His name was Ben. I don't remember his last name, but if you, if you Google La Europa sexual assault, his face will pop right up. And are you, are you Mormon yourself? Did you grow up Mormon? Um, no. I went through a Catholic phase when I was younger. My my mother was raised Catholic. Now I'm not religious at all, which I don't think treatment really had anything to do with that. I came out as bisexual in middle school and religion disintegrated pretty quickly for me. <laughs> I'm just interested, maybe it's just because the obviously Utah is like a hub of the Mormons, but is and I just thought that your parents sent you to a place that was uh, Mormon run. Well, the, the way the school branded it was we're in Utah. There are a lot of Mormon people here. Right. We are not Mormon run. We're just run by Mormons, which is, you know, two sides of the same coin, I think. I, 
it was they did pressure us to join their faith. Okay. In fact, I I had a friend who came in like the same week that I did, who was allowed to graduate uh, about. I mean, I never graduated, but she was allowed to graduate the program about two months before I left because she converted to Mormonism. And she actually had a, a pretty severe eating disorder, and she she definitely was not better when she left. She since has gotten much better therapy and has become estranged from her parents and is really healthy now, so I'm happy for her. But it, it was almost like a get-out-of-jail card. If, if right. you could convert to their religion, you would get privileges and even discharged early. Was that, is that something you struggled with while you're at the program? Um, I mean, there was, there was a certain amount of jealousy over seeing her get to go home early, but it also really opened my eyes to what the program really was. And I, I sort of stopped following the rules at that point. The interesting thing about um, putting kids into this sort of authoritative treatment facility is that they're almost adults. And I think for every adult, there comes a point in time where you realize that other adults really can't tell you what to do. So there'd be threats. One of them was to be on five foot, which meant I had to be within five feet of a staff member at all times, and included having to go to the bathroom with the door open, which was great. But as an adult, once I, once I realized I, I didn't really have to listen, I just closed the door, and they'd say, oh, well, then you're going to get another punishment but I just would continue to not listen. So they wanted to get rid of me pretty fast after that. <laughs> okay, well, what, what, another question I have for you is that obviously this is a problematic experience from you, but did you, is there any positives that you could take away from it? Any, any, any insights you got uh, that stayed with you today? Um, there was a time in my life that I would have said yes. I, you know, I born, I got these friends out of it. There's sort of a sisterhood bond with these other girls. But the more I learn about psychology, which is what my degree is in, uh-huh. the more I realize that that's a, a trauma bond. And a lot of these relationships I've kept are with truly unhealthy people. So I would say no. I didn't take any good out of it. Okay, what about, this is the one perspective I've thought about this. I mean, I've gotten the concept from other industries, like, I don't know if you're familiar or like this, this is movement about like prison abolition. If you're familiar with that or mm-hmm. heard of that? Yes, yeah. Well, like some people have this perspective, like this, I'm just gonna apply it to this, to more of the treatment teen, treatment industry. That Do you believe getting that this whole industry should be shut down or do you think it could be reformed where where, where do you stand on that 
I mean, there are absolutely um, people who could benefit from inpatient treatment. Okay. There's, there's no getting around that. I think the way it's set up now really does a disservice to psychology as a whole. I, I had a friend in college whose parents went the, a different route. They were psychologists themselves, and their daughter had begun doing lots of drugs. Like She was going to kill herself. So they actually created a treatment facility in their home, equipped mm-hmm. with indoor security cameras, bolts on the doors, you know, supplements to help her wean off drugs. And, and for them, that worked. I don't think every family has the ability to do that. But to send your kid to a whole nother state, interrupt their, their schooling, their social life, and their, their family life too. There isn't a way to make that not traumatic. And if we got better in-state programs and, you know, day programs and, and therapy on an outpatient basis, I think the amount of kids being sent to these places would be cut in more than half. Right. And what about the LaRopa? I remember there was a time when uh, Mitt Romney, LeBain Capital was involved with a lot of these places. Was he, was he, was he involved with like his company funding it at all? Oh gosh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, have you heard um, about that? That I remember he was involved with a lot of the, the wilderness, like these programs. Uh, uh, no, I, I firm that honestly can't capital. say that I follow Mitt Romney very closely. I don't um, either, but I, I happen to learn that his private equity firm, Bain Capital, was involved with uh, a bunch of these places at once. I don't think anymore. Well, I, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, most of these schools are private schools. And I, Romney was one of the, he was pro-voucher, I think, for, uh-huh. for education. So that a lot of that money goes into those people's pockets. Right. Well, and he's uh, uh, from Utah, so I would think he has you know, ties. In that it's, it's very, Utah is a bizarre place because it's entirely run by the Mormon church. So whatever Mormons decide they do want to do, whether it's treatment centers or like Mormons don't drink. So the, the state runs all of the liquor stores. They're all state run. So if you buy a bottle of beer in, in Utah, it goes to the state government, your taxes and whatever. Well, I don't want to interrupt you here, but I, I think with this recording, it may shut off. We could speak later, but I just wanted to maybe. So where are you now? What kind, like you said about the therapy that was done there, uh, you didn't think it was very scientific, or you're still doing therapy now. What have you found to be helpful in your, your recovery? Well, as I said b- before, borderline personality disorder used to really be a death sentence for people. Uh-huh. And I've now been enrolled in uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, mindfulness and meditation. And it's really, it's, it changes the game. To be able to have 
tangible resources to, it's like learning anything else. There's worksheets, there's writing to do to sort of change your thinking perspective. So that, that, the structure of that has been very helpful for you. Oh, absolutely. I, I would say it's been life-saving. Oh, wow. Yeah. And also I want to ask you that, was there any traumas going on at home that, that led you to, there's a lot, I've noticed my, my, my observation from the research that like a lot of people that get diagnosed with borderline personality disorder sort of have a lot of early life trauma. Did you uh, experience any of that kind of stuff? Um, well, my, my father has narcissistic personality disorder. Right. So a lot of it stems from that. He was never physically abusive, but a lot of psychological abuse still to this day. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> I, and I was also adopted and okay. had, I was born with, born addicted to methamphetamines. So uh -huh. I know that was probably a big drama as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I've experienced, I mean, it kind of fits into this. What led me to learn about this world was working at a, a teen substance abuse, and they work with mental health issues too in Fort Lauderdale. That I, I heard they shut down too, and it was kind of a, a shit show of an operation. And one of the particular clients there that I had was adopted, and there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that go into that, that whole experience. And, and how, how, uh, how did you feel that, that whole being adopted and realizing that came into your, your worldview and your behavior and everything? Yeah, I, I, one of my biggest frustrations about La Europa was all, all they wanted to do was focus on my adoption. Oh, okay. Um, because that, that had to be the source of my issues. Uh, I was adopted at four days old. Right. I have no memory of it. I had a closed adoption. So I didn't meet my birth mom until I was about 23. We're friends now. Not close ones, but we're friends. How old is she? She, I want to say 46 now. Okay. Yeah. So she, she wasn't super young when she had me. She was just addicted to drugs, which right. happens. I think the, the biologic component was more traumatizing than anything because there's addiction history, there's mental health history. It's likely that everyone in my biological family had personality disorders as well so yeah but it's, all, it's also you i mean you you uh, i'm sure you probably heard of it epigenetics and that kind of stuff epigenetics. yeah that, i mean that's what i believe in that it's sort of the, the obviously that that i am I'm, I'm just gonna take a leap of faith here that i imagine uh she didn't cut your mom didn't come from the didn't come from a charmed uh, upbringing that she had she had stressful experiences that probably led her mm -hmm. to be using methamphetamines, and it's kind of that interaction between the genes and the environment that uh, leads to these kinds of conditions. Yeah, I, I had a, a psych teacher that once told me the answer to the question, is it nature or is it nurture, uh -huh. is yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is... Uh, I mean, it's both? Is that the idea? Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. it's, yeah, it's both. Yeah. 
All right. So yeah, that's interesting. That makes sense. And also actually hearing your story, you said your, your parents were in the, are they doctors? Um, yeah, my father is, was a primary care physician. Okay. He does mostly consultation now because he's struggled to interact with others. Uh-huh. So he's, he's worn a lot of different hats. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to tell me. My this mother's is, an audiologist. Okay, yeah, so both medical stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just want to bring this up to my experience with this one. They made me think of this client that was in, in the, the, the program. They, they actually sent him to Wilderness prior to sending this program that I worked at in Fort Lauderdale. That was in like a residential program. And his situation was he was doing a lot of reckless behavior. He was adopted. And one of the things I found is his parents, they were just very angry at him that, that he was doing, that they gave him this great life. The father was this uh, heart surgeon that made a lot of money and they had maids, they had a very nice life and he was just ungrateful and all this. Does, did that kind of experience resonate with you and your family or was, how would you say yours compared to that? Yeah, I would say my, my father has sort of always run the show. And, and he was very angry with me. My mother, not so much, but she's always sort of enabled his behavior, as is typical in that narcissistic family structure. But, I mean, in many ways, they were mostly scared. Uh-huh. I, as someone with borderline, I was exhibiting these very big outbursts even into my teen years. and. They had, I believe that they had every right to seek help. I don't think they got the help that they were looking for. Okay. Yeah, but so you said you found that they focused too much on the, on the, the, the adoption issue. Yeah, they had group therapy once a week once or twice a week we'd all break off into separate groups with different topics there was an adoption group there was an eating disorder group which wasn't my thing there was a sexual reactivity group which is a really interesting part of the tti world which if and if you want we could even i could do a whole podcast just about that (laughs) Uh but they they often had these groups run by someone who was not a licensed therapist at all. Right. Well, it's just common. Yeah. I think they can get away with it if you have like a bachelor's level degree and you're supervised by a licensed person that they can do that. Yeah, they actually had undergrads doing it that were brought to them through BYU. Okay. To be fair, some of those undergrads did a great job. Some of them, actually, the the sexual reactivity group was run by an actual therapist. Uh That, I mean, still today, I have a distorted view of sexuality in adulthood because of that SR course. Because it was basically, it, it was basically, you know, if you have had sex or want sex, you know, as a teenager, which they all do. This is definitely indicative of some sort of deep psychological wound. I, for me, 
I, you know, I was a horny teenager and they tried to convince <laughs> me that that was because I'd been raped and I just had suppressed that memory, which uh -huh. just straight up didn't happen. Wait, well, well, but at just, that point they just... were really grasping. Were you raped, or were they saying you were you 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 were raped and you didn't remember it? Or they were saying I was raped and I didn't remember it. But were you or no? no. Okay. So, oh, wow. No. Pretty wild. Yeah, they were really looking for something to to treat because as someone with who got sent there for these outbursts, I was, I sort of masked for over a year, almost a year, not over a year, my, my outbursts and, and sort of BPD outbursts tend to happen around family members or in a place that the person feels safe. And because I didn't feel safe, I wasn't exhibiting the symptoms that I'd been sent there for. So that they were, you know, grasping at straws, trying to find something tangible to treat for most of the time I was there. All right. So what, you know, tell me a little bit about the, 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 the in-between time, the leaving La Europa, La Europa and where you are now, what was that journey like? Well, one of the downsides of, spending a year with girls who are addicted to drugs is that it sounds like something I might want to try. <laughs> so I went through a period, you know, senior year, I was basically not in class at all. I, I got back halfway through the school year and pretty much ditched the rest of the year. I was homeless until by choice. I just didn't want to stay with my parents until I was about 19. And I went to NAU, which is a, a college up in Flagstaff. Didn't go to a single one of my college classes. And then actually that was where I got raped, oh, as oh. often happens in, in a college situation. And had a really uh, long downward spiral of drugs and alcohol and I was a sex worker at one point oh, wow. and and not that there's anything wrong with that but for me it was definitely a an expression of of a lot of different traumas that I'd been through at that point I I realized I needed to leave that past behind me in almost a physical sense and I, I moved up here to Colorado at 21. And I, I worked a couple of odd jobs for a while, decided to go back to school. I'm uh, married. I quit drinking. I've got like uh, two and a half weeks sober right now. Oh, nice. Thank you. I got married in 2018. And me and my husband are buying well, congrats our Congrats on that too. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, me and my husband are buying our first house at the end of June. Oh, cool. So, there's a happy ending. <laughs> you said you're going to school now or you're finished school with psychology? 
I'm going to school now, you know, years of drug abuse and, and issues sort of set me back. Balancing addiction and, and mental health issues has left me uh, somewhat less productive than I'd like to be. So that's why I go part time right now. I got my associates in 2018 and I'm working on my bachelor's now. Okay, going back to the drug use, do you ever use any psychedelic drugs like LSD, any uh, mushrooms, anything? Yes, and I'm actually a huge, very pro psychedelic use for therapy as well. Okay. We have a huge movement for that in Colorado right now. Yeah, no, I'm familiar. That's why I asked. And also, I mean, I've, I've seen it also in particular about I mean, my perspective is most mental health issues are have some connection to trauma. I mean, it's kind of, but, but specifically for people that have suffered a lot of trauma, my experience from the, a lot of the talking to people and, and the, the research, it seems very interesting that they have uh, uniquely can help people with traumatic, process traumatic experiences. I don't know if you know this because not everyone does. Uh, actually, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous yeah, I do. Um, Bill Wilson. Yeah. He originally got sober by using LSD. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the, the fascinating thing about, about psychedelics is that they make your brain more likely to, to believe and intake information, more susceptible to suggestion is right. what mm-hmm. the term people use. Yeah. And that is an awesome tool when combined with cognitive therapy because once you've got the things that you want your brain to think and the ability to be suggested to think those things, I think you, you really got a, a good combo for a foundation for therapy. What about the particular MDMA has some interesting history about using it in couples therapy and whatnot. I, I'm actually very interested in couples therapy as a whole. Uh-huh. I've used MDMA quite a bit back in the day. Yeah. For me, it had quite the opposite effect. I've heard, I've heard that from other people, but the one thing you have to, to know, though, too, with that is that number one is that when you're buying MDMA off the street, you don't always know what's in it. I mean, that's a big thing. And then, and then also, Absolutely. and often you're doing it in a different type of environment, about, but uh, yeah, it's not necessarily, it's not really. I would also argue that depending on yeah like, like the environment you're in and the headspace you're in, yeah, of course, have a lot different effects. Mm-hmm. I I would be much more likely to recommend uh, like marijuana for uh, couples therapy. I think I think that's a much more predictable drug. I think that's why it's much more widespread at this point. I think things like MDMA and and psychedelic mushrooms and LSD are definitely they're going to be one or two time intense therapies with you know pre and post therapies after right it'll have to be very uh contained right well that's kind of the idea yeah all right and any any particular quote that you would say inspires you that comes to mind Gosh, I can't say that I have one. I which is kind of hilarious because I actually I started a 
coronavirus uh, weekly or daily email for my trailer park. And we, I put quotes in there all the time and now I can't, I can't think of one. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll quote my mother. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes you got to laugh because if you don't, you'll cry. <laughs> okay. The mother, that's a good one. Yeah. What, what about, uh, so in the past year, what would you say was uh, your most memorable purchase? Or any other purchase you can come comes to mind. Recent purchase. In the past year, I would say uh, my new newest dog, Sassy. Oh, okay. I well, finally how- let my husband get his own dog, and it has tested our relationships in our relationship in all sorts of new ways. <laughs> and what uh, what type of dog is Sassy? She is a, a mutt of sorts, Chihuahua Dachshund mix. Okay, and uh, I bring her I, over, but she probably snarl at me. I forget. How did you? How how active have you been in that subreddit about the tre- troubled teens? And how how did you get into? Involved? Um, I've followed it for a while. I actually got directed to it from a of a, a Facebook page that is is a private group for people who are specifically want to talk about their time at La Europa. Right. Because we were doing that on the La Europa page and we got booted off that page because Uh we weren't saying positive things, which the, the only say positive things about the program is, is a huge problem in that industry. But yeah, that, so I, I found it from that Facebook group, and I've been following it for a while. I, I usually, I'm not a big poster, because in, in many ways, I'm very much trying to leave that time in my life behind. A lot of the girls from the program do a reunion once a year, which I have no intention on participating in. But but I I think as I go into my you know my own career it's important to to acknowledge what what brought me to this point and why am i why am i here what do i want to change you know right what what would you say that would be just what i i said earlier about limiting the amount of people who need to go to tti in the first place okay you know i i'm absolutely in love with uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. I think if we could, I think, honestly, I think we should have a class in schools mm-hmm. that is a cognitive behavioral therapy class, because if we can give these kids those mindfulness skills from the start, right. you're going to see a huge decrease in even the amount of traumas they're experiencing. Yeah. I, I, uh, Florida, I think about a year ago, I don't know if it's really how it's been implemented yet, but they passed some bill to have uh, some type of mental health class mandatory in all the Florida public schools. But I wanted to get to see what exactly was taught in the curriculum, but I haven't, uh, I haven't actually seen what it is. But, but uh, so also I want to ask you, how'd you meet your um, husband? Well, it's interesting because my husband is also a TTI survivor. Oh, okay. And all morning, I've been trying to remember the name of the place he went to. Uh, interestingly, he went to a place in Phoenix, Arizona. Well, I went to a place out of Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, 
but we actually met uh, through a mutual friend. They're both named Zach, both my husband and the mutual friend, which is, I think, funny. And we were friends for, I was friends with him since he was about 19. And I, after I got out of a terrible relationship, we hung out. He also had issues with drugs. And, you know, one thing led to another. And we got sober. <laughs> and are you a, do you, are you into the 12 step uh, recovery at all or anything like that? Um, I, so I've, I've been through AA a couple of times mm -hmm. and in many ways I find it to be more of a replacement than a cure. So quite frankly, I kind of hate the 12 steps. Yeah, I'm, right I'm, now, I'm, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but it could be a very, unfortunately, I feel like it could be kind of a, either people love it, it or they hate it. It could be this kind of polarized. I, I have a strong belief as a future therapist and as a person in general, uh, if it works, yeah. keep doing it. You know, do what works. Yeah, I agree. I think the only the only thing that can be a little bit problematic is I'm sure. Well, I'm assuming you you've experienced there's some of the people, some of the dynamics. There can be some abusive people in the in the rooms that prey on other people. That that's my main objection. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I found that being around those people made me want to drink. Yeah. <laughs> but I I use a potassium no what's the name of it i'm gonna go look niacin <laughs> no it's um a campers eight calcium uh -huh. which has been used to help treat alcohol addiction oh interesting and i've been i've been using that and it works uh, it works a lot better than aa I'll, I'll tell you that and that plus mindfulness yeah my husband the also isn't big on the meetings, but he's he's all about the chips. He just got his three month chip like last week, and he ordered it on Amazon because we couldn't go into <laughs> <a> meeting. <laughs> so that's good social distancing. But anyway, Michelle, well, well thanks for joining me uh, today. I uh, enjoy it was nice uh, chatting with you, and uh, yeah, stay in touch. Uh, any any final thoughts you have uh, that you want to share? Not really, but I, you know, I've always got more stories. I've always got more details. So, you know, if you ever want more stuff, just let me know. All right. Well, have a good day. Uh, pleasure speaking with you, Michelle. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right.